0: Hey, welcome. I'm Mark McCrory, a pastor here in Arizona, and this is a little class I've put together over the years uh, to help people kind of get a framework for how we view the world. Uh, the title is called "Exploring the Faith," and my main goal here, again, is uh, well, it's not to go verse by verse through the entire Bible. Um, it is, again, to set kind of the foundation of our worldview how do we see who God is, how does He interact with us, who we are, how we interact with Him. And this shapes really uh, how we interpret many of the Bible passages, but more importantly, how we interpret our lives and how do we live out our faith. So this is an introductory class. I used it for new members who wanted to join my churches uh, over the years. And uh, with COVID and uh, everything that happened in 2020, uh, thought we could put this in video format and make it more widely available and more accessible. Again, at uh, at your time and your place. So, thank you very much for your interest. Uh, we're going to start off with lesson one. If you've got the printout uh, from the website, or maybe you can fill in the blanks uh, on the PDF file online, uh, but you'll be able to follow along uh, with these lessons. So the first lesson, lesson one, is called uh, what do you believe and why do you believe it? That's a pretty good place to start. You see, there's a lot of false attempts to ground faith. And one that I see uh, so common is a faith that's based on experiences or emotions. So they might say something like, this faith feels right. That's the first blank if you're taking notes, Uh, but so many experiences, uh, in churches, even in, uh, you know, America and the West, uh, we've too many of us have fallen into that trap of building our faith on our emotional experience. Now, uh, emotion is good. And I hope I sincerely hope that every person leaves our church service on a Sunday uh, feeling joyful and uh, joyful while they're there and obviously uh, joyful when they start off their week. Uh, but that's just not always the case in the world, uh, in this sinful, and this broken world with broken people. I know parents uh, might be struggling to get their kids to church, fighting them uh, to get dressed, fighting them to get out the door, fighting them to get into the, into the church building. They might just be sitting in the back feeling pretty frustrated at the moment that the, the pastor uh, turns around and announces God's forgiveness of all their sins in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So they may not feel forgiven at that moment. They may not feel like God loves them, but that doesn't take away from God's power. It doesn't take away uh, from God's will to grant that forgiveness and to shower that love. See, God is at work, and, and what God does happens. Yeah, he doesn't mess up. And so whether we feel like it or not, uh, good days or bad, um, God is with us uh, all the time. So again, these are all good things, experience, reason, personal reasons, uh, but they're not what we ground our faith on. It's not the foundation of our faith. Uh, so the second one, reason or intellect, right? This faith seems, uh, sounds reasonable. Uh, I have an undergraduate degree in mathematics, very familiar with the scientific method, empirical method. Um, I believe uh, my faith is very reasonable. As a matter of fact, there was a book that uh, I really enjoyed called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to be an Atheist, (laughs) Uh, because you really do have to take a lot of leaps, uh, blind leaps of faith. Uh, to look at creation and what was the first cause. and uh, Nobody has an answer for any of these things. And so you just kind of blindly believe. Well, I believe our faith is very reasonable. It's very sounds historical. We'll talk about that later in uh, later lessons. Uh, but it's not, again, it's not the basis. It's not the foundation of our faith. Uh, personal reasons. Because he said it, this faith must be true. Again, I have had wonderful mentors in the faith, parents and grandparents who, who taught me how much God loved me and Jesus Christ. Um, that's not the foundation of our faith. And then number four, the institutional idea. Uh, well, that is what my church uh, believes. And that's probably not as big of a threat uh, today as more people are anti-institutional anyway. Uh, but there's still some, some uh, some truth in that. So, what is the foundation of our faith? Well, Roman number two there. It is God's word, God's word that creates faith. Uh, If we were to uh, spend some more time uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter goes uh, to share the gospel with Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman uh, army officer. Um, And uh, Peter uh, shares the story of Jesus, that Jesus uh, was crucified for your sins, that God raised him from the dead, uh, proving that he is God, that the sacrifice was acceptable, that all our sins are forgiven, that eternal life is now available to us as well. And anyway, through that story, Jesus died and risen for you. The Holy Spirit comes down and grants faith to Cornelius and his household. They express uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit in that moment, just as the Apostles did on Pentecost Sunday. Um, so uh, God's Word is what creates faith. God's Word is the basis, the foundation for our faith. And in uh, Roman numeral three, we get into some scripture passages that, that back that up. I'll just read a few. Second um, Timothy 3, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, uh, Isaiah 55 talks about uh, how as rain comes down from the heavens and waters the earth, so God's word goes out and nourishes our soul. It doesn't return empty, it accomplishes God's work. Uh, Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ, that gospel message, the good news, the story of Jesus. And then Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's one of my favorite verses. Why are you not ashamed, Paul? Because it is the power of God for salvation. It is the power of God. And it kind of brings us to our first call uh, kind of vocabulary word, if you like. Uh, that blank, last blank there toward the bottom of the page. Uh, God's word is, and it starts with a P, and it is powerful, but that's not the word I'm thinking of, uh, performative, performative. And maybe you haven't used that word uh, in a while or, or very often. And uh, what does it mean? Well, in the word, you see the word perform. See, God's word performs the action that it speaks. That's, that's unique. Uh, there's a couple of examples I could come up with. None of them are perfect to, you know, God's powerful and performative word, but um, perhaps a judge in a courtroom, if, uh, you know, the case is uh, at, at its uh, completion and the judge uh, speaks the word, not guilty, kind of bangs the gavel. That's it, it's happened. When he spoke the word, not guilty, Uh, that defendant is now legally, officially uh, not guilty of the crimes that he was accused of. Well, when God speaks, uh, like think of the very beginning of creation, right? In Genesis chapter one, God said, let there be light. And there's light. So just today, still. When God speaks, his word is accomplished. So when God says, I forgive you, your sins are forgiven. By the speaking of his word, he accomplishes his will. That's how awesome God's word is. That's how powerful it is. And that's why it's the basis and the foundation of our faith. Now, uh, speaking of the word faith, A lot of times we use that word faith as a uh, term of uh, of religion or of a denomination, maybe. Uh, So faith is in the sense of uh, Christianity, the Christian faith. Uh, There's four verses there at the bottom of the page. John 14, uh, 6, that's when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there is the Word of God there assuring us that Jesus is enough and more than enough. Uh, He is the way for us to have access back to our Creator and uh, eternal life. Um, Acts chapter 4, verse 12 salvation is found in no one else. Jesus is the way. Again. John 17, verse 3 says eternal life is this, right? that's to know you the, the Lord God in other words the Creator and his Son Jesus Christ the one who has won our salvation and our forgiveness for us and then in Acts chapter 11 verse 26 we learn that it was in the city of Antioch uh, that those apostles were first called Christians Christ men and Christ women Christians and so that's our faith Christianity is the blank the way and the life, the way and the life God has given in and through Jesus Christ. All right, good job. Uh, lesson one. Uh, we're rolling along pretty good here. Let's jump into lesson two. This is my Declaration of Dependence. So, uh, the powerful performative Word of God, that's one uh, pillar uh, of, our, of our faith, of our worldview. Uh, this concept of being wholly dependent on God is another very important uh, foundational element, again, of our worldview and how we see the world, how we read the scriptures and what it means for our lives. So, uh, number one, getting ahead in life. We earn recognition, honor, awards, promotions, et cetera, in this life by what we do and by how well we do it. In other words, effort matters. This is just how things work in the world, in school, in athletics, or in the workplace. In other words, number three, how I do in life depends on me. This is a very uh, common, it's, a, it's an intuitive uh, way to live and to understand how the world works. If I want to get ahead in school, I want to do better, right? I'm going to do my homework every night, I'm going to show up for class every day, I'm going to study for tests. And the result of that is probably gonna be higher grades versus if I skip school, never did my homework and never studied, probably gonna have a bad result. Similar thing can happen in the workplace too. Put in your best effort, show up to work on time, um, do a little you know, above and beyond, probably can move up. Uh, you don't come in and don't call in uh, when you miss work and you don't get your assignments done on time. You blame other people, probably gonna go down. Now, it's a sinful world not everything is fair in school or work or anywhere else but generally speaking right nine times out of ten uh, this is how the world works this is how our relationships work with other people and it's common for us to since we're this is so intuitive here that well maybe this is how our, my relationship with god works too right i just got to put in enough effort enough positive energy whatever and that's going to get me that's going to get me ahead with god too and so Roman numeral two asks, can we get ahead with God, kind of in that same way? Well, let's find out. I mean, let's see what God expects of us, and you know, if we can check off all those boxes, and maybe. Well, Mark twelve verse thirty one, Jesus said, "Love your neighbor as yourself." So this is what Jesus calls the second greatest commandment. That means we love everybody, because our neighbor is every other human. <laughs> Uh, as much as we love ourselves. Uh, so we care about others. We set aside ourselves for their sake. Uh, we're always in service to other people. We put others first, though we're just totally selfless. And so I've got this little uh, evaluation here, if you'd like to look at that on page two. Uh, how you doing with loving your neighbor as yourself? Um, and so here is uh, my performance as a spouse, a parent, a child, a sibling, a friend, a neighbor, an employee or employer, a citizen, and my actions and my thoughts and my words. Uh, there's a blank there. You can say, How are you doing? Uh, loving your neighbor as yourself in each of those roles that God's given you. Of course, in the right column, we see what God expects of us 100%. Uh, now, in Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus said this is the first and the greatest commandment, that we love God completely and perfectly. Above all else, we put him uh, first in our lives, uh, in our thoughts, our words, our actions. And yes, here too, God expects 100%. Fear, love and trust and faithfulness to him. And so the question would be, how are you doing there? Well, even if you were able to say, I'm not judging, but let's just say you were able to say 99% on all of those uh, expectations uh, that God has for us, loving our neighbor and loving God. Uh, Top of page three, number three. The question then is, is that good enough? I mean, a 99 in school is pretty good. You're getting 99% of uh, my work done is pretty good. So does that work with God too? Well, James tells us in his letter, uh, chapter two, verse 10, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Whoa, wait a second. So where does that leave us? Number one, short of God's expectations and therefore short of God and yeah, he can verify that in Romans three twenty three. all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God secondly it's also important to realize that that also leaves us separated from God Isaiah 59 your iniquities that word means sins your sins have separated you from your God See, God is holy, holy, holy. He is perfect. It's not even possible for a sinful person to exist in his presence. It's almost like we would just burn up. So, Roman number four, the question is, well, how in the world do we get ahead with God then? And the answer is, we can't and we don't. Romans seven, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we are dependent on Jesus for life with God. For our forgiveness, our salvation, everything. Everything in the world that we have in need, uh, we are completely dependent. And so this is our declaration of dependence on God. Very important foundational element of our faith. Now, I'm not going to leave you on this kind of a downer note here. Um, That's the end of lesson two, and we recognize that there's nothing we can do to be right with God. Well, that means that it's all about Jesus. Lesson three, and just real briefly, uh, uh, our worldview, everything, hinges on everything revolves around um, the person in the work of Jesus Christ it's the only hope that humans have Jesus is the only hope for our world he's the only hope for our country he's the only hope for our family he's the only hope for you and for me so our life with God is based on God's work that's the blank there. God's work in Jesus Christ. So over 2000 years ago, God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus took on our flesh and he took on our sin. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Number three, Jesus perfectly fulfilled all of God's law, is the blank. He fulfilled God's law for us to redeem us from our sin and inability to perform up to God's expectations. Again, you can cite Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. So our salvation, our our eternal life is completely dependent upon the work that Jesus Christ has accomplished for us in the the free gift that God gives to us uh, via his Holy Spirit. Uh, Lesson four, uh, we're gonna just briefly overview the Bible. Uh, We've talked about uh, God's word and how it's the foundation of our faith. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about, I call it one aspect of God's Word. It's probably the most popular thing that people think of when you say God's Word. Immediately people just think Bible. Uh, But uh, God's Word is more broad than that. So lesson four, uh, for the Bible tells me so, it's all about Jesus. This is going to be a recurring theme for us. So God's Word, God's Word tells us about God, His will toward us, and His work for us. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but what is the only thing, or what are the only things that we can know about God? A lot of people have thought, pondered, philosophized, if that's a word, written uh, about God, their thoughts on God, what they think God is like. But what can we humans uh, possibly know? What are we capable of knowing about God? Well, only what he reveals to us. Uh, we're humans. We can't uh, examine him under a microscope or find him with a telescope or, or conjure him with our philosophies. Uh, the only thing we can know about the eternal, all-creating, God of everything thats what He tells us about Himself. And He tells us uh, what we need to know in His Word. Number two, God's Word in its different forms. So remember it's not just the Bible. First there's the spoken word. Uh, there is the Bible, the written word. And then there's uh, God's Word made flesh. Sometimes called The Word, capital W. Now, this is a tongue twister. Maybe God's word about the word is the Bible. Does that make sense? So God's word to us about Jesus, the word made flesh, is recorded in the Bible. And uh, what is the Bible? Well, the Bible is the written word of God, it's the first blank. It is a collection of books written at different times in different places by different people over the course of about 1,600 years. The books of the Bible have many different authors but at the same time have only one author, capital A, who is God. The many different writers of the books of the Bible wrote what they did as they were inspired by God. 2 Peter chapter 1. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture comes about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And 2 Timothy uh, 3. Again, from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. And then verse 16. All scripture is God breathed. That's the very literal translation Uh, the greek word there Uh, but that's the word where we get inspired that god breathe it is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness now because the bible is inspired uh, by the holy spirit uh, the word of god then it can be trusted Uh, last blank on the page it is true and without error. In John 17, 17, when Jesus is praying to his disciples for them, uh, he prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, uh, if you want more information on uh, how reliable the Bible is, or uh, actually even on uh, any questions about the existence of God, or is Jesus the only way, some of the things that we've touched on in this lesson, I've got a whole other series. It's called Tough Questions About God. And so look that up, uh, whether you're watching the videos or you're listening on the podcast. Uh, they're available on both those uh, platforms. Uh, Tough Questions About God, if you want to dig a little deeper uh, into those topics. Uh, this is an introductory course in, in the faith, and so I'm assuming uh, we are all starting uh, at least uh, there. With uh, God's existence, Jesus is the only way, the Bible's God's word. Alright, I'm on page 5 of the uh, handout uh, and uh, Roman numeral 3 says about the Bible. There's two main parts. There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. Uh, Sixty-six books in all. Uh, the Old Testament, uh, you can see here, it's divided up into 39 books. Um, even that uh, Old Testament is divided into uh, different types, genres, if you will, and, and sections. So have kind of the law and the prophets, you have the Psalms and the Writings, and then in the New Testament there's 27 books, it goes Matthew to Revelation, and it's typically uh, also divided into parts. You kind of get, you got the Gospel and Acts, uh, you got the Pauline Epistles, in other words the Paul, uh, letters written by Paul, and you have the General Epistles, uh, letters written by other uh, Christians uh, in the first century, uh, just to the Church in general. And at the very end, you got this prophetic book called Revelation. Uh, Part four here, what the Bible is about. The Bible uh, tells us many things. It tells us about God, who he is, what he expects of us and what he's done and still does for us. It tells us about his love for us and his grace in creating and saving us and giving us new life. The Bible tells us who we are and whose we are. But ultimately, God's word in the Bible is about, again, that the word, Jesus. It's about God's love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He is the center. He is the heart of all of Scripture, both the Old and the New Testament. Now look at Luke 24. Jesus said to the disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms." There you go, that's the complete Old Testament. Then He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. See, the entire Old Testament points toward the coming savior, Jesus Christ. And the New Testament tells us and the world about the savior who God sent and accomplished our forgiveness and gave us this gift of eternal life. Uh, So all of scripture uh, points to, uh, again, centers on the heart of scripture um, is Jesus Christ. Now, uh, number three here at the bottom, the Old Testament points to Jesus through prophecies or predictions about him. And there's some verses uh, listed there if you want to look at those. Uh, prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his life. Uh, and again, uh, in the Old Testament, there's also uh, people in the Old Testament. There's events that happen, um, even places, uh, institutions like the temple, which are, here's the blank, types of Jesus or they foreshadow him and his work and uh, through him, I show mankind's need, need for him as savior. Now there's other uh, ways of uh, reading the Bible uh, for better understanding. And one of the things that uh, we do is distinguish between law and gospel, that's uh, at the very bottom of page five, where it's just introduced. And we'll uh, another lesson. We'll, we'll get deeper into those topics, but uh, just understand that the the law shows us our sins, and shows uh, shows us that we need a savior. And the gospel shows us our savior. Uh, remember, God's word shows us things about Himself, reveals to us. Uh, who he is, what he's doing in our lives, what he's doing in the world. And so in the law of of his word, uh, he shows that uh, we are sinners and we need help. And then in the gospel parts of his word that he's revealed to us, uh, who our Savior is uh, and how wonderful it is uh, to know God and to know Jesus Christ. All right, that's uh, good for part one. I appreciate you listening in and we'll continue on uh, with uh, zooming in now on the law first, and then we'll we'll get back to the gospel in later lessons. Thanks for joining us again.